Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I feel like you're going straight up a hill into the horizon line, and then you That's get up great. onto the screen, and you have this panoramic view, and that brings you, you into... You see water. You see water in almost every hole, and that brings you into this beautiful uh, three, four, five-hole stretch as, as you're, again, quartering around the island. Everybody says how lovely it is. I'm glad you got a chance to play. It was one of, the worst, one of the worst rounds of golf that I've had. In maybe five years. Did you break 100? Of course I broke 100, but I, I, I was going into the bag. I was going to unmarked golf balls because I was losing some. Really? Oh, yeah. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I tend to um, use the emails that we get in the same order that we get them. In other words, I use emails from two weeks ago if we haven't gone through them. And I don't even look at the emails of the day that I sit down. It's I mean, like you with leftovers. Yeah, I, right. I eat the leftovers and then I get to the real food. Um, yes, I go through the leftovers. But today, for some reason, I looked over some of the emails. And so, apropos of that open that I didn't know would be the open, I should probably read this. This is from Mike O'Brien in Boston, formerly Revere. I hope I wasn't the only person that noticed at the top of the show on Friday, you said how Michael is back after his trip and he doesn't want to talk about where he went or what he did. And then you both proceeded to talk about where he went and what he did for five minutes. This is why I love you and the show. So I didn't even realize that. Oh, yeah, it was great. I didn't even realize that I said we weren't going to talk about it. And then we talked about it. There's another uh, email today, and this is... Um, from Shad, and this is for Don Everly. They set the standard for achingly beautiful. Thanks, Don Everly. So um, Don Everly died over the weekend, and he is um, when Paul McCartney and John Lennon, but Paul McCartney especially, who loved the Everly brothers. In fact, at one point, the Beatles wanted to call themselves the four Everly brothers. They loved the Everly brothers. And when Paul went off on his own, he has that refrain in, in, in the song, Phil and Don. And he talks in names, though Phil and Don are Phil and Don Everly in that. They're just not random names to Paul McCartney. Um, I was saying this to Nigel before the show started. The obituary does not start on A1 in the Washington Post. And I understand that. I mean, Don Everly is 84 years old. He didn't create any new music for the last... 45 to 50 years and and people have to be of a certain age to remember the Everly brothers and to be cognizant of them in the way that I am they have to be of a very old age at this point so I'm not going to complain that that doesn't start this is not like Chuck Yeager where you go wait wait what <laughs> right. Chuck Yeager what right um this is not like that where it doesn't start on a1 I haven't talked to Jeannie about it so I don't know how she feels about it but I'm understanding and respectful of the relative positions that people hold in life and the contemporary nature of life. So I'm not going to complain. But I will tell you about uh, Don Everly. Phil Everly died, I don't know, eight or nine years ago or something like that. I'm pretty sure I got to see them once. I got to see them relatively close to now, maybe 20, 25 years ago. They were in, what's that place in Virginia, the Birchmere? That's Birchmere. in Virginia. Yeah, it's a lovely venue. Yeah, I got to see them at the Birchmere, and it was, it was thrilling for me uh, just to see them. They were... You know how a lot of people break up because they hate each other, and you read about this all the time. I think Ray Davies and his brother of the Kinks hated each other. Yeah. Uh, Greenberg and Golick at some point decided they hated each other. Simon and Garfunkel hated each other. Gross. They were like best friends. CCR. You know, the, yeah, again. John Fogarty and his brother hated each other, and bands break up when this happens. <clears throat> and, you know, um, Oberman and Patrick, you know, and it, and after a while I just said, ah, I'm done with this. <laughs> Wilbon and I, no, not, we're the only ones, really. I mean, we've, <laughs> yeah. you know, We've stayed forever and ever, but Don and Phil, 
Like there, there's a famous story. They were appearing in the '60s or the '70s at a at a venue in California called Knott's Berry Farm. There are a few Knott's Berry Farms around the country, and one of them just smashed the guitar and walked off the stage. That was the end of it. <laughs> Said, "I can't do this anymore. I hate you so much. I'm quitting." And they used to, and and all the obituaries talk about how they they performed together, but just that was it. You know, they walked out separate doors. They went into separate limos. They were not pals. And I, I don't have any brothers and sisters, and I've always sort of missed that, except so many people I know that have brothers and sisters, at some point, they don't particularly get along. So I, you know, I accept that that is the reality of life. They made unbelievably beautiful music together. They were the children of performers, and they got on stage when they were babies, um, in was it Tennessee? Is that where they're from? One of those Tennessee, Kentucky, some place, so, Ohio, what, some some place in the middle of the country that valued singing, you know, in in ways that that made sense. And they started performing when they were very very small, and they were extraordinarily influential. I am old enough to have remembered the first songs, "Bye Bye Love," "Wake Up Little Susie." Um, last night, Michael, you can attest to this. Uh, Wake Up Little Susie sort of was put in a text to me by you or by your wife, and it, then I started quoting s- lyrics. You were, yeah, multiple unread messages in a row, yes. You're unread? You, well, didn't, you didn't bother to even read them? It was sent to me and Liz, so one phone was left unread. You know, I'm, I'm quoting lyrics on, you know, um, you fell asleep, our goose is cooked, your reputation is shot, Wake Up Little Susie. I mean, I, I did Cadence Records. I, I mean, I know all the songs. I know all the Everly Brothers songs. The Everly Brothers had a greater influence on music outside of America because of the Beatles than they did in America. Though everyone who listened to the Everly Brothers understood harmony. It is my belief, I do not know if this is true, it is my belief that Brian Wilson listened to the Everly Brothers and looked at Dennis and looked at Carl and called up his cousin Mike and said, I got an idea. (laughs) I think we can do this. I think we have genetic harmony. I think we can make this happen. There are lots of groups where the singers are brothers and sisters. I think the band Perry is that. I mean, I, I just I think that this happens. It's a it's common. I think this is common. Stevie Winwood, Muff Winwood. I mean, I think this. I think this is relatively common because you do you exist in the same DNA. And if you can sing, not everybody can sing, but if you can sing, it'll work. There are just the songs that they did. I'm just going to list a few songs that I think if you've never heard the Everly Brothers, well, Michael, how did you do this? I mean, because the Everly Brothers are way before your time, and you you said that you and Liz know some of their songs. Yeah, so this is actually what's great about Spotify right now. So I went on a run yesterday afternoon, and I wanted to go into their oeuvre. So I I went to Spotify, and I started with Kathy's Clown, because that's the one that immediately popped up to me versus, you know, even versus, say, Wake Up Little Susie, and I get home, and I start playing some of these songs for Liz at dinner, and she goes, Wake up, little Susie. I think isn't. I remember I used to listen to Simon and Garfunkel singing. That. I didn't know they so sang. She it. remembered makes a all the live sense album. The world. Yeah, a live album from Central Park. Which so we then uh, switched over to that. So it, it makes all the sense in the world. If if there's anybody who had the most beautiful voice in rock and roll, it's Art Garfunkel. Yeah. So he would look at the Everly Brothers and he would say, "I can do this." He's of that age. I can do this. This is what I want to do. So I will just give you a bunch of songs. Kathy's Clown is one of them. Crying in the Rain is one of them. Mm. All I Have to Do is Dream is one of them. One of their best songs is Let It Be Me. I bless the day I found you. I want to be around you. You know, it, it, Let It Be Me, which I think has been sung by 10,000 people 
Not as good as the Everly Brothers. Uh, message to Michael, which message to Martha, which became message to Michael from Dion Warwick, you know, 10, 12 years after they did it. Walk right back to me this minute. You know, I'm pretty sure. What was Linda Ronstadt's song that, that they did uh, first? When, when Will I Be Loved? When Will I Be Loved. I think that's an Everly Brothers song. It is. And there's like and 20. she does it great justice. Oh, she's great. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like brilliant. There's 20 or 30 uh, songs that you can listen to by the Everly Brothers. And, and if, you, <clears throat> if you don't like the first one you hear, then you're not a fan. But my guess is you're going to love the first one you hear, and you're going to want to hear more. It's the same all the time, and it's beautiful. And, and they were <clears throat> really big stars in that period of time with Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis and Chuck Berry. Like they're, you know, and Little Richard um, in the late 50s, early 60s. They were at their height and they were wonderful. And so if, if you do nothing else today but listen, what is it, go to Spotify and start picking out Yeah, songs? you can do this on a number of services. That just happened to be where I was and, and sort of how I was seeing songs across most of this is the beginning of their career, right? These are yeah. early, early on. Yeah. Oh, yes. They had like 20 in a row. Yeah. And you went, oh, my God. You know, how could they do this? And how could they? And just bang, 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 bang. And they were really, really great. They were better, for example, than Javi Guerra, the reliever for the Nats, <laughs> who stinks so badly that he was DFA'd. <laughs> when you are DFA'd, when you have had a guy on your team for two to three years, and you DFA him, designated for assignment, you have said... I hate you so much that you can go anywhere in the world and pitch for anyone, but you can't pitch here. You're out of this team. You're out of this organization. Yeah, leave. Klebopsis is getting ready to be DFA'd. Klebopsis stinks. <laughs> Jeffrey Rodriguez stinks. This whole bullpen stinks. You go straight to the bullpen. I'm just going straight to when you're getting national game reports about how Scherzer and Turner are doing how they over do. in L.A. against the Mets. How are they doing? We're going yeah. to talk to Mark Feinstein later in the show and ask yeah. about Scherzer and Turner. Max Scherzer could win the Cy Young. Walker Bueller is probably going to win the Cy but Young. Scherzer very well could. But Scherzer could win the Cy Young, depending yeah. on what happens in September. If Scherzer posts 5-0, and Scherzer's going to win the Cy Young. Because you know, they still have to catch the Giants. The Dodgers have the second best record in baseball, in all of baseball. The team ahead of them in its own division has the best record in all of baseball, as the White Sox have receded in, in recent days. There's one little story I wanted to say, I wanted to talk about. I am, uh, yesterday I am lost in terms of late afternoon sports because oh, the, golf. the golf isn't on. The golf at Liberty National, they... They postponed until today, until 9 o'clock today. I don't know if they can go. I don't know what the course is like um, in New York Harbor. I, I don't really know because they had Henri, and Henri wasn't as bad as people thought, but Henri was bad. You know, it dumped a lot of rain, particularly a lot more rain on Fishers I on New York City than Fishers Island, it seems, as all the rain went west. Anyway, so I had nothing that I could do that I could really watch and be happy with, and I began to watch... The Albertsons Open on the Corn Ferry Tour. Why is it? What is Corn Ferry, by the way? Do you know what that is? I do not. It's the, the, the whole tour. It used to be the Nike Tour, Hooters Tour, and whatever it was. And now it's the Corn Chess. Web.com. Yeah, and now it's the Corn Ferry Tour. And Albertson is a supermarket around the country. I thought mostly in Florida, but it's from Idaho, so I guess it's in the West as well. It's nice. It's a supermarket. Anyway. I am watching this, and I'm watching from about 13 on. And I'm watching with particular interest Chessie. Yeah. 
I'm watching with particular interest Grayson Sig. Michael, are you familiar with Grayson Sig? Yeah. Okay. So Grayson Sig must be a pretty good player. He win he wins yesterday. He plays a lot on the regular tour. Yeah, he, he has his card. He's got his card for next year. He's got his card. He can move up to the PGA tour next year. Grayson Sig ends up winning this tournament when the guy he's playing with collapses on eighteen. Doubles on eighteen and Grayson Sig wins. Grayson Sig went to the University of Georgia. That's that's big time, right? Yeah. I mean, Brian Harmon went to Georgia. They probably have a bunch of guys who are pros who went to Georgia. Okay. I call up Norby Williamson last night after Grayson Sig wins. Norby Williamson is a vice president at ESPN. He is a friend of mine, uh, and he's, we've played golf together a bunch of times, particularly in Pinehurst. And a in great Avon. putter. Norby, he's, a confident, he's a confident player, Norby Williamson, and he is a great putter. When he misses, he misses on the pro side by one to two feet. Ooh. He knows what he's doing. I call him up. He's at the Little League World Series. We're doing the Little League World Series, so he's at the Little League World Series. I said, Grayson Sig just won the tournament. He goes, so what? And I, do you remember Grayson Sig? And he goes, should I remember Grayson Sig? This is the way we talk. Like everybody's yelling at each other all the time. Should I remember Grayson Sig? I said, do you remember when we played at a course called Sage Valley? For people that don't know what Sage Valley is. For people that don't know what Sage Valley is. Sage Valley is about 30 miles from Augusta National. And it was built to resemble in all ways Augusta National, down to the fact that the caddies wear those white jumpsuits like Augusta but to National. Be, but to be accessible for sort of, you know, the right clientele, Masters Week, right? Right. But it was built by a guy who couldn't get into Augusta. And it made him so angry that he said, really? I'm going to build Augusta 30 miles away. Sage Valley is a wonderful golf course. I played it once with Norby. I said, do you remember the kid who caddied for us? Yeah, that kid was a punk. I said, that kid was Grayson Sig. <laughs> that kid caddied for us. How great is he that? He had won. He told us. He told us he had just won the state title. In It was either South Carolina. Sage Valley's in South Carolina. South Carolina or Georgia. And he was going to go to Georgia. And he'd washed out of Norby's mind completely. He didn't like us at, at all. He would say, can I borrow your club? Can, give me your club. We'd hit a bad shot. And he'd say, this is how you hit it. And he hit it 130 yards onto the green. And I hated him. I hated him. He was 18 years old. You stiff him? No, no. I gave him a lot of money. um, He was 18 years old, and he was making fun of us. And he he had no, he didn't even want to carry the bags. He sat down. Caddies don't do this. Like, he'd get to the green, he'd sit down. Grayson Sig. I always remembered him because it was such an odd name. It was before I'd ever heard of Grayson Allen. I didn't know the name Grayson. And Sig was such a, a strange name to me. And so I followed him. And I remember once I saw him on the Golf Channel when Georgia was playing in a match against some other squad at Augusta. The kid was playing Augusta. And I followed him in my head, and I paid attention whenever his name came. He wins the tournament. He's going on the tour. That's great. And he, and he was contemptuous of us. <laughs> Enjoyed it so much. I root, I root for him now. Sure, you have him. to. Anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, Wilbon will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the solo stove, Ed. What is our situation with solo stove? So the solo stove is now ready to return to the 
to the DMV because I have a beautiful new backyard in this fall. Right. We're ready to light up the solo stove and share some stories. Okay, so you're going, so just to establish. Just to establish. You're this. going to take the solo stove. Well, I believe I was always going to take the solo stove. Okay. It was just at which property I was going to enjoy the solo stove. So, But it has been you. in South Carolina. Yes. And now it is coming back. Yes. And you're saying that in the fall, should I live this long? You might invite me once or twice to sit and, and gaze well, at the well, stars we, under the, under the I, stars and we'll sit at solo stove. We'll start for some beautiful Saturday afternoons. Come over, watch some college football. The boils will wake up. Okay. Okay. So it's solo stove. There's something that feels magical about summer nights. Maybe it's these gentle breezes, symphonies of animals like Jesse and insects, the or the warming glow of a campfire. Day or night, a smokeless fire pit from solo stove turns magical summer moments into unforgettable memories. No one forgets their time at summer camp. The friendships, activities, and most importantly, s'mores. But cleaning up the campfire was messy, leaving behind charred and crumbling debris. This is true. And you know how? I just left. Uh, when it says leaving behind, I said, hey, kids, clean it up. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm, I'm the counselor, and I'm not sleeping overnight in, with bugs. I'm not doing that. Got a game plan with, with camp counselor Larry Brown. <laughs> how much more enjoyable is a smokeless design? It's That's what you want. You want the solo stove. You want to be able to have all of the fun and none of of the bad. Yeah. And they don't give you any of the bad because it's smokeless. It's wonderful. Solo stove creates story-worthy moments without the fireside fumes. <laughs> Stainless steel construction designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. So little smoke, you wonder how there's so much fire. It's easy to start with a few bits of starter, and your fire is blazing in minutes. No one needs a reason to gather around the fire. Solo stove just took away any reason not to. And now you can get $10 off when you use the promo code Tony K at checkout. So Liz has got one of these. He does. He, he loves does. it. Just go to solostove.com. And remember, you get $10 off when you use the promo code Tony K. So use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Brandon Costello in Lexington, Kentucky, has um, recorded an album. And he has apparently recorded these things on his deck or on his breezeway. Yeah, he calls it breezeway. And you can hear crickets in the background. That's pretty cool. That is. Yeah. I mean, you got to be pretty confident to record songs in the open air. You can picture the solo stove right out to the left of where he's playing. Yeah. This is called History. This is live from the breezeway by Brandon Costello. In Lexington, Kentucky, and it plays in Michael Wilbon. And there's a lot of things we could talk about, but it always excites me to talk about Wilbon when to talk with Wilbon when he's excited about something to do with the Bears, because he loves the Bears. And the Bears got killed the other day, just killed. And you were you were saying to me that like you basically in our conversation of. Saturday to distinguish from the conversation yesterday. In our conversation of Saturday, you basically waved the white flag on the entire season based on an exhibition game. Well, no, based on the fact they have no offensive line. This is this, okay. they didn't have one when when Justin Fields completed fourteen in a row in the first preseason game. They didn't have an offensive line either, and he was able to get around it a little bit and use his legs, which he did for some nice gains again on Saturday. They have no offensive line, Tony. They went out and they got Peters, who used to be on the Eagles, and he's 40 years old. Yeah, but he's good. He was all like pro. A savior. They have no yeah. line. Yeah. Nothing, so nothing will get you killed quicker than no line. 
And they so, don't have one because, you know, again, the, the Bears GM is, you know, at, at, there are times he makes picks and moves where he appears competent and, and, and you know, lifelike. And then there are times you just go, what, what are you doing? Right. And this is why he and the coach have been basically even put on notice by the ownership that you, you have to win, you have to look like a professional football team or get out. And this is why... You know, the Bears just are inadequate. Um, even when they're they, they they they've been pretty good. They've got players on defense. They've got good skill position players offensively. But if you don't have a line, they're going to get their young quarterback killed. And that's what happened on Saturday. So this is your belief is that Justin Fields is not safe. Um, to no, you this know, isn't my with, belief. Did you see the hit? Did you watch? You didn't, you didn't no, watch the hit no. he took. No, I didn't. I didn't. There see was it. a hit, Tony, early in, the, in Justin Fields' snaps, where a, a, a linebacker standing there and no one picks him up. Nobody looks at him, and he's, <laughs> he's blitzing and he comes and he hits Fields. Fields. Not only does he blow Fields' helmet right off of his head, Ooh. Ooh. Fields' headband comes off the top two. His headband. Blows right off the top of his head. So this isn't this isn't a matter of oh you think the offensive no the offensive line is terrible. The guy they drafted to play I don't know, maybe he was second or third round. He had back surgery. They just drafted okay. him back surgery done for the year. Right. So no 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 this isn't this isn't like an opinion. This isn't a hot take. They have no offensive line. So if you are running the Bears, do you put Andy Dalton out there instead of Justin Fields? Yes. And and does this and then when they lose and the city screams for Justin Fields, what do you do? You they're going to put Justin Fields in too. Yeah. And he's and he's going to be running for his life. Yeah. This so that, that this ahead. isn't a matter of wow, are you overreacting to one preseason game. They don't have tackles. Right. They don't have them. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know this is this is a real uh, situation putting this kid in the game. And people who did, and people who watched, who were ready for Justin Fields to start, you know, put him in, just put him in the first place. Yeah. Here's, yeah. here's a reaction in Chicago Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> can you can't do that. You can't no. put him out there. No, you can't. Okay. Now in that game, that was against Buffalo. Yeah, I and really. I did not. I did not watch it, but but I did look. You know, because you, you watch the crawl during the day on yeah. NFL Network or ESPN. Mitchell Trubisky had a very good game, yeah, at least statistically. Right. He had a very good game. Let yeah. us let us maybe for the last time, yeah. let us go back on Trubisky and the history of Trubisky and your thoughts as to his being drafted, the way he was used. Right. Was was it fair to him, and have they made a mistake by getting rid of him? Well, they made a mistake by not coaching him. Right. That was the biggest mistake. So the mistake mistakes that were made with Trubisky, one, they traded up to get him when no one else wanted him. Right, that's always a so mistake. So they used, I think, three picks to get him. And they traded up, even though they were sitting in the number three spot. And they traded up to the number two spot. And subsequently, the San Francisco 49ers, who I think were the beneficiary of those draft picks, they, they just 
there were, there were leaks in which they told people, what were the Bears thinking? Yeah. We weren't going to take him. So you trade away picks who could actually be starting offensive linemen in the NFL. So that, that's, that's the big thing. So they traded a guy who had made, they, they traded up to get a guy who I think had made 10 or 11 college football starts at North Carolina, who no one else was trying to get. And they traded up, and that means they traded away from Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. That's what they did. So they put a bullseye on their own player. There's no need. And, he, you know, Tony, nobody said he can't play dead. It was just like, okay, he's not Mahomes, he's not Watson, which is already borne out. We already know that. That's been confirmed. And then the head coach who had coached Patrick Mahomes as a redshirt player in Kansas City, and he came over his credentials where he, he could make a quarterback. Right. Because look what right. he helped this kid do, get ready for the league because he coached him up. And then the head coach, Matt Nagy, doesn't want to coach Trubisky, doesn't want to coach him. Again, and I, I had, I've, had players, I've had players on the Kansas City Chiefs tell me this to my face. And, it, it, you know, and, and in one case, in front of other people. <laughs> so this is like, it's not a secret. He didn't want him. And, so, and, and, and the proof they didn't want him was they got rid of him. And Trubisky is not without talent, Tony. He had a 12-4. and four. He yeah, had a 12 and 4 in his playoffs. second year. Yeah. So, I, so, I find so, myself, do you root for him? I'm now rooting for him. He's not going to play because Josh I, I root, Wilson. Well, I rooted for him. Josh Allen's better. Yeah, I kind of rooted for him. Yeah, yeah, but he, you know, you, you, quarterbacks can always play. That's right. People get hurt. People slump. All kinds of stuff happen. People didn't have the Kirk Cousins playing for the Washington football team either, did they? That's right. Because that's right. He wasn't playing because the other guy came in and lit the world of fire. Did and then got hurt. Yep. And he that's got right. so you know. So anyway, the, the, the saga here is. And then Trubisky comes back to town and lights it up. And not only that, his Bears teammates went over and hugged him up right there in the open field. Did right they like him? Was he a popular player? You know, was he? He, a, he wasn't what I call popular. But it, when when the, they they knew the coach didn't want him. That's right. It, I mean, seriously, they they knew that. So you know, it's just it's a you know the quarterback position of the Chicago Bears is its own book. It's a tragedy, it's a classic, and it continues. Yeah. Let me switch gears to something we talked about last night. You and I are the only people that care about what I'm going to say now. Nobody else watches track and field. Nobody watches it. Uh, the Olympics, it's, it's not buried in the Olympics, but they don't make a big deal about it the way they do about swimming and gymnastics. They don't. And um, uh, nobody seems to appreciate that the single greatest thing in all of sports is a 100-meter dash. That, that's it. It's like because the guy who hits the tape first wins. There's no judge. There's no, I didn't get all of that curveball. There's no, I think that might have been a charge and not a block. There's none of that. No, there's none of that. The guy who gets to the tape first wins. And and the Prefontaine meet was on on NBC over the weekend and I, and because I wanted to see Shikari Richardson. Yeah. And I'll just I'll just preface this by saying if you don't remember Shikari Richardson from about a month ago, she won the Olympic trials uh in the 100 in the United States. She is the one with the nails and she is the one with the hair and she is the one who is a star. She's a star. And she got popped for smoking marijuana. 
uh, immediately after she won. And a lot of people started screaming, this is unfair, this is unfair, she should be reinstated, this is garbage, to which she said, she said, like, I'm not saying this, Wilbon's not saying this, she, Carrie Richardson said the following, I know what I did, I did the wrong thing, I knew it was wrong at the time, I accept the punishment, and I'll be back. Which ought to shut, right, Mike? That should shut everybody else up, but of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't shut anybody up. Now, if you want to say the rule is antiquated, change the rule. But she got popped justly under the rule when the rule existed. So I've decided I love her. Yeah. So she's running in the Prefontaine meet against all the Jamaican girls. And they're, and they're the best. They're the best in the world. And she finishes dead last. She does. And again, at the end, she says, they beat me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm coming back. I'm going to try it again. So I love her more than ever. What are your thoughts on track and field and Shakari Richardson? The same as yours. It's the greatest <laughs> thing out there. It is the greatest thing to witness, to cover. You know, I, people ask me all the time, what is the greatest thing you've ever seen? What is the greatest event you've ever been to? And the greatest event I've ever covered, no, it's not a Super Bowl. No, it's not the NBA Finals. No. 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 It's It's... Mm. The 400 in Sydney, Australia, when Kathy yeah, Freeman, Kathy Freeman, took the, with the hood on her head, and she, the, her own story was so tremendous, so unbelievable. It was like Jesse Owens and Jackie Robinson and Usain Bolt. It was like that, all that wrapped in one. And I watched that, and I, I, I couldn't write for a little while because I was sobbing on my keyboard. While I was watching it, given the drama of it, the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then, you know, maybe the next greatest thing I've ever seen is Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson. Even though that's the best thing I've ever seen. That's the best thing I've ever seen. The greatest thing ever. And then one of the other greatest things I've ever seen was four years ago in 2017 after the 16 Olympics. I went to London to watch the World Track and Field Championships and I saw Usain Bolt lose. Saw him lose. Sat with (sighs) Ronaldo Nehemiah in the stands, and I watched Usain Bolt. And these are among the greatest things you can ever see. Like you said, Tony, and, and the women, you and I watched Florence Griffith Joyner. Yeah. We oh, yeah. watched her against the greatest women in the world, and many of them hated her. Hated her. And here's what they would do in the mix zone. They would say, Tony, Mike, good to see you. We hate her. <laughs> She's using Right? That's what I mean, they remember that? that? That was it. That, yeah, everybody. I mean, it's, it's not yeah. only is it the greatest thing to watch, it has, it has elements of boxing. And it's, that these men and women, they're out there naked virtually. And they are giving it up. And there's no, well, the Russian judge says 9.9. No, no, no. no, no there's none of that crap. <laughs> no, no. The greatest thing ever. No. People the don't people understand who, this. The people who cover the Olympics for us in America, they don't even give a damn. It's just No, they awful. don't. They it's care awful. about the other stuff. And people There's... care about preseason football and Stop. the summer league. Are you people nuts? <laughs> so there's, when I again... Say, let me just add this real quickly. When I say people are dumber than ever, this is one of the... This is like exhibit, if not A, B, C, or D. This is the problem. Like, I love boxing. The problem with boxing is it is a judge sport if there's no knockout, which is why Wilbon and I root for a knockout. You, know, you just go, this is, this, is the, this is what we understand. There is, in track and field, there is no ambivalence. Like, even the hammer throw. 
wait, did you go further than the other guy? <laughs> <laughs> then you win. Then you win. Then you yeah. win. Did That's you run how fast? it works. Did you jump higher? Did That's you right. throw something further and more yeah. spectacularly? That's it. That's and you so win. She carried, my God, that when she was like, you look at she's in the middle of the track and she looks like she looks. You can't mistake her. No, you can star. watch this on a half inch TV and know it's her. <laughs> yeah, that's and when right. she, she, you know, and she got beat, and then she, it was worse because she, you could tell the life was just not in her. Because when she was, she's been, you know, last, or she's been in the middle of a pack and a tough crowd before in her life, like a million times. But man, she was lifeless, and she just, she just eased up, and she was last. It was it, it was amazing to watch. It, it is Tony. The fact that you know you got to sit here and watch the preseason in the summer league, and people act like that's Wilt versus Russell game seven. <laughs> the, the world is stupid. It just it's just yeah. full of stupid people. I'll just repeat this one more time for all the people out there that think that should Carrie Richardson got hosed. She stood up and she said, "I knew what I was doing. Yeah. I did this. I accept this." I'll be back. Okay. She's so great. much better than all the people defending her. You know, yeah. who just, you know, she's just much better. So you I know, like, for her like Everybody else wants to say, well, you know, they didn't have the two high safeties. They didn't have yeah, that. Just, you don't just, have to know that. You have to know that this woman is one of the fastest women in the, in the world. And that, again, it's, it's so great to cover because of the things they say and do. The track and field people, they're so, so often... Mo, how about Mo Green with the fire yeah. extinguisher on his own it's shoes? Just, like, so I watched this, watching the Prefontaine. So the the Canadian guy, DeGrasse. Yeah. Like, again, let me explain this so you understand it. <laughs> There's an actual tape, and if it's around your chest when you go through, you're the winner. <laughs> That's right. The one to your left. And said, so, wow, I got screwed. I think I won. You didn't right. win. Right. The tape's not on you. Film. Yeah, we're going to watch it all right. It's going to tell us exactly what it told us right. in live time. It's just so, and, you know, it, it, so I'm with you. I just, I love that stuff. I love mm. the events so much. And often the people so much. And the, 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 the fact that there's no teammates. There's no, no he didn't give me the ball. They're boxers without you know, gloves. That's yes. what they are. They're boxers without gloves. Yes, they they're are. individual athletes, and they're going out there to beat everybody else, and they hate everybody else. <laughs> which is what you, it's what they're supposed to do. Yes. It's what you're supposed to how do. Does this, so how does this have no stature anymore? I don't understand. It's only in Europe. It, it doesn't exist here. I don't, I don't really get it. I don't really get it. So anyway. All right, I'll talk to you later. I'll Sounds talk to you good, later. Tom. Thanks. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will see him later on the PTI show. And Mark Feinstein will join us at MLB.com when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The dog has calmed down. I'm very happy about that. This is the Indochino ad. You have these suits. You have three of these suits. I do. I do. I love them. Speak for them. So I went to a birthday party up at Martha's Vineyard a few weeks ago. A friend of mine, George, uh, came up to me and said, hey, we're going to do Ocean's 14. Would yeah. you like to? This suit is the look we want. It's perfect. Nigel, would you be in the mood? I said, I can't. I'm too busy for it. But I recognize how great that suit makes me look. And you can get it, too. It's very inexpensive. You can design the suit any way you want. Arrives to you in very quick fashion. Did you uh, measure yourself? Right? I measured myself with a, with a piece of rope and a yardstick. You yeah. can actually go into a tailor. Yeah, I think they've got that. tailors all around. But it really is fantastic, and it's just a great deal. Yeah. 
Indochino offers completely custom-fitted suits, shirts, casual wear, and more at surprisingly affordable prices. Every piece, as Nigel said, is made to exact measurements. You can customize every detail. Choose everything about your suit from the fabric, the lapel, the monogram, and the statement linings. Like You want to have the, the Gettysburg address <laughs> right. you know, in, in the suit. You can do that. Exactly. You can create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. And the best part is Indochino suits start at just $399 with all customizations included. Indochino is now open at select Nordstrom stores, giving you even more ways to get great fitting, personalized clothing. Find your nearest location at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the code TONYK at checkout. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. The promo code is TONYK. Don't be stupid. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. You can hear the crickets. I know. It's, it's, you can hear the night. Just lovely. This is Brandon Costello. This Sounds is like on back his to school. Breezeway. It's in Lexington, Kentucky. You can hear the animals singing along with him. This is called The Night. Michael, if people like Brandon Costello want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. This is called The Night. plays in. Mark Feinstein of MLB.com. And I have a million baseball questions. And I'm going to just start with this. And I know the Phillies, I think they won yesterday. They finally won a game. But how can they be gagging like dogs in this manner when they have their schedule is so easy and they are blowing a chance to run away with the NL East? And they're, are they two and a half or three and a half behind, four and a half behind Atlanta right now? How can they be blowing this? It's really quite amazing. They're actually five behind Atlanta right now. And just a couple of weeks ago, they came into a series where they were trailing the Mets by a half a game, and they swept them. And they ended up up yeah. two and a half, and it just felt like they were going to, like you said, like they were a team ready to run away, and instead they've been hiding. And the, uh, you know, the Braves, who everybody sort of thought the moment Ronald Acuna went down, uh, all right, well, that's enough for them. They're going to be sellers at the deadline and they're gonna uh you know be not a bit not be a factor they'll be right there with the nationals and, and the marlins in this division uh they went out and added and said they're the team with the five game lead i don't know the phillies are are unbelievable to me because i watched them i was at i was in the ballpark with that series against the mets and they looked like a team with urgency they looked like a team that sensed an opportunity and really felt like it was going to be able to uh you know really surge ahead here but when you go and get swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, that's, that's not a sign of any team ready to do anything. Arizona Diamondbacks, if the Orioles aren't in the league, the Arizona Diamondbacks are probably the worst team in baseball. I, yeah, and the Braves, that's the right word. They're surging. They don't have Ozuna. They don't have Acuna. Freddie Freeman's statistics in the last two months are astonishing. Have you seen those? That what he's done in the last two months? Freddie Freeman yeah, just lifted you know, the team on his back. Hey, look, he's, he's an MVP for a reason. I don't, I don't know that he's going to win it again this year, but he certainly put himself in the conversation. Uh, and the National League MVP is a really sort of interesting race because for the first half of the season, the, the, the debate the debate was Tatis or Degrom, which one's going to going to end up with it. Well, Degrom's out, uh, you know, for for another few weeks at least, and he's he's out of consideration now. Um, 
and Tatis, if he can stay healthy and, and this outfield experiment works, I still think it's probably his to lose. But Freddie Freeman's making a really intriguing case, as is Joey Votto, who has also been among the hottest players in the game for the past month and is basically, uh, you know, carrying the Cincinnati Reds to the point where, uh, you know, right now they're in the wild card spot. It's an, it, this is an interesting, conceptually, this is interesting to me. I would say nine times out of ten that in order to be the MVP, you've got to take your team to the playoffs. You've got to be in the playoffs one way or another, or at least be eliminated on the last day or the last week or something like that. But Otani is, going to, is playing for a team that's not going to make the playoffs in the American League. And, Mark, I don't see how it's possible not to vote for him. I, mean, I, I honestly don't. I, don't. I don't know how you can vote for anyone else other than Otani. What are your thoughts on that? Because I think well, the Votto case is a smart, that's a smart play. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. Uh, you know, I know some people look at the word value and say, well, they could have finished last without him. They could have finished fourth without him. But how could you provide more value to a team than to be the best hitter in your league? Oh, and by the way, one of probably the six or seven best pitchers in your league as well. Um, I, I don't even think it's I don't even think it's a case to be made against him. I mean, Vladimir Herrera Jr. is having a spectacular season. Otani has more home runs, the higher slugging percentage. Uh, you know, just in general, he's he's every bit the hitter of Vladdy uh, this year. Uh, except he's also got 100 innings of a 2.79 ERA and eight wins. So yeah, I, I don't I don't know how you can even make a case against Otani right now, even if you wanted to. I agree with that. All right, let's get to teams that are tanking. The Mets are tanking. I didn't see that coming. I, I thought they were a solid team, and they're tanking. Is it simply that DeGrom isn't there? Uh, well, let's not forget Francisco Lindor isn't there either. Javi Baez, who was their big trade deadline acquisition, was there for just a handful of games before hitting the IL himself. Uh, they've had some injury issues, but I, I really think um, that they're a team that looks really good on paper and it has just hasn't, you know, sort of transferred onto the field. We looked at them as being a, a solid team all year because they were in first place for like 95 straight days. Yeah. But as you know, from watching the NL East, I think that was a, as much of a result of the NL East just being a poor division to that point. And now that Philadelphia started to play a little better, and now that Atlanta has certainly seemed to uh, take the bull by the horns there, um, you know, the Mets are now under 500. The Phillies are just yeah. over. And the Braves all of a sudden are 12 over uh, in a division where even the Mets, as they were holding command of the division, they were never really more than, you know, five, six games over 500. Um, and now the Braves have, have just, you know, said, okay, that's cute. We're the Braves and we're not going to do what we do. And this is our division once again. Yeah. Mets are tanking. This is the Red Sox. Whew, Red Sox are tanking. What's that about? They stink. <laughs> Man, they, they do stink right now. And Alex Cora uh, actually said the other day after they lost uh, on Saturday, they, yesterday it was a win for them because the game got rained out, so they didn't have to play. Um, you know, they made five errors on Saturday. They got whooped by the Rangers, who if the Diamondbacks and Orioles didn't exist, the Rangers <laughs> would be the worst team in the league. Um, I, I, the Red Sox, you know, they were overachievers all year, I think. Um, nobody thought that coming into the year, they were going to be as good as they had been for the first four months or so. Um, but I don't think anybody thought they were going to be as bad as they've been for the past month or so. I, you know, they were they were sitting on first place up by a couple of games, two and a half games, I think, 
a couple of days before the trade deadline. They're seven and fifteen since, and, and the biggest problem for them is that the Yankees and Rays don't ever lose anymore. So, um, you know that that has uh, certainly put them in a precarious position in terms of um, the AL East. I mean, all of a sudden, Boston's seven games out, they've dropped nine and a half games in the standings over you know a little more than three weeks, whereas the Yankees are nineteen and four in that stretch, and they're now. Uh, they have a commanding lead in the wild card in terms of overall. They're two and a half up on Boston, and um, and they're only four games or four and a half behind the Rays. So all of a sudden, this Yankee team that looked dead in the water, they make a couple of big moves at the deadline. The Red Sox really do nothing at the deadline, and, and the results have sort of matched that. Yeah, the Yankees had two left-handed hitters who were important, and Rizzo was out for about 10 days and now is back. And Rizzo and Gallo, it does seem that they will help them a lot. Let me go over to the Dodgers because I'm interested in the Dodgers because they have the heart of the Nats. They have Scherzer and they have Turner. And I know they lost last night to the Mets, but they don't lose. I mean, they don't lose anymore. They have the second-best record. I mentioned this at the top of the show. They have second-best record in all of baseball, and they're still second in their own division because the Giants have the best record. When you look at Scherzer and Turner and you look at the Dodgers with them, what do you see? Well, I mean, right when they got those guys, I said the Giants are are going to be a really good wild-card team because the Dodgers are just uh, – they're so stacked, so stacked top to bottom. And, oh, by the way, they have Clayton Kershaw theoretically coming back at some point as well. Uh, that, you know, even without Trevor Bauer, we you know what's going on with that situation. You put Max Scherzer there. Max Scherzer is better than Trevor Bauer. So they improved uh, their team somehow, even by losing the guy who they paid more money to for this year than anybody else. I, I think right now the Dodgers are trying to survive with Kershaw on the IL, with Urias on the IL, Tony Gonsolin still on the IL. Yeah, uh, yeah. Their pitching staff is, is really hurt. Scherzer, as you know, is that guy who every fifth day is going to take the ball and say, okay, everybody else just sit and watch, and I'm going to go out there and do what I do. Um, you know, he's 3-0 and with a 2-11 ERA so far. He's doing everything that they could have possibly hoped for. And Trey Turner is doing exactly the same, uh, you know, doing doing what he does. And, um, you know, I think they've both been perfect additions to that team. You know, the Dodgers are interesting offensively because they have so many guys who can play everywhere that you sort of don't know who Dave Roberts is going to throw out there on any single day. Um, I think the other thing you have to point out, Mookie Betts has been hurt, and when he's played, he's been good, but he hasn't played enough. Um, and so, you know, getting Trey Turner, adding that weapon to that lineup uh, as a protection for potentially being without Mookie Betts down the stretch, I think, uh, you know, again, you take that Bauer and Betts, but you bring in Scherzer and Turner, and you're like, all right, well, they're just as good, if not better. So I'm a hopeless fanboy when it comes to Max Scherzer. But I think if he goes 4-1 and one in September, I think he's the Cy Young winner in the National League. If they catch the Giants and he ends up like 6-1, and 7-1, and 7-2 with the Dodgers, isn't he the Cy Young winner? Uh, he certainly could be. I mean, he's had a, a fantastic year. I think, you know, DeGrom, as we said before, was sort of the – uh, you know, the well, runaway favorite pitching. until he got hurt. Now he's out. Mm. Um, there are a couple other guys. I think, uh, you know, you look at I mean, Walker Bueller on the same staff, yeah. having a great yep. year, Corbin Burns, Gossman. There, there's a case to be made for, um, you know, for a few guys there. But, but Scherzer is, is firmly in the mix. You know, the one thing you don't have right now is that guy who's got, you know, 15 wins at the end of August and is racing towards a 20-win season. There's, you know, right now I think – 
I think Bueller, Bueller and uh, Urias, I believe, lead the league at 13 wins apiece. Um, Bueller right now, I would say, is probably the favorite. Uh, but but there there are four or five guys. I mean, Corbin Burns this year has been unbelievable. He's got 175 strikeouts with 127 innings. So, um, but I, I'd say Bueller right now would be the favorite. But Scherzer mm-hmm. with a huge September could certainly throw himself into that mix. You mentioned Bauer. Bauer had a victory last week in the sense that there was no restraining order put upon him. Uh, I don't think he'll pitch this year. I don't know if he'll ever pitch again. But do you think baseball will at any point say, well, if there are no criminal charges against him, we're going to have to let him pitch? Um, I think they will wait until their investigation is over. Uh, And I think until the uh, city of Los Angeles or Pasadena, whoever's doing the actual uh, investigation on the legal side until that investigation comes to a conclusion and they say there are not going to be formally uh, formal charges pressed against them. I think MLB can still uh, probably get away with the administrative list. Remember, he's being paid right now. It's not like, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, he's not he's not being withheld his salary. So the union really can't argue that, I don't think. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think as long as there's still an investigation going on legally right now, uh, they're they're not going to let him anywhere near a baseball field because the last thing you want is a guy pitching and then you know in the fourth inning of his start it comes out that uh, he's been formally charged with you know five counts of this or that. Um, I think until they know that that an investigation is closed and that he is not going to be criminally charged, and even at that point, uh, you know, Aroldis Chapman was not criminally charged and he was suspended for a domestic violence situation. So uh, I think even if there are no charges, it would not surprise me if Trevor Bauer faces some sort of a suspension from this from the league anyway. I would think if, if I'm the league, I want this investigation to go slowly. I don't want this in front of me this year in the playoffs. I don't. I don't want anything to do with this. I want this guy not pitching if I'm the league, right? You don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, I, I wonder if, if he was, let's say that the administrative leave ends and he is allowed to pitch again. I oh. wonder if the Dodgers even would put him out there. I mean, I, it, it, I doubt it, they would. It's a real, I doubt they would either. I, I'm not sure Trevor Bauer ever throws another pitch in the big leagues because I don't know if there's a team out there that wants to take on the baggage that now comes with him. Thank you, Mark. We'll talk to you soon as the baseball thing gets hotter and hotter. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Tony. Mark Feinstein, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a policy genius ad as you prep for back-to-school season, slide securing life insurance onto that to-do list between buying a protractor and some number two pencils. Have I ever said how bad I was at math? I was really bad at math. I didn't think I could graduate from high school because I couldn't. Well, I didn't have to take calculus, but I couldn't even pass trigonometry. I mean, I was just... Really bad at math. How'd that make you feel? Stupid and inadequate. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The kind of guy who would say, I'd like to go out for a golf team. Do I have to bring my own clubs? <laughs> Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes and get covered. Summer's almost over and responsibility is about to rear its head. Get ahead of reality and get life insurance done now with Policy Genius. You can get free quotes in minutes. I, I'm, I'm going to digress here just because I do this all the time. I send texts to people like my son and his wife and i try to be funny it should be noted that this old man tries to be funny even if he's not funny having a laugh 
Yeah, right. Thank you, Ricky. <laughs> Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why should you compare? Because you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year. It's a lot of money on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. So you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical examination requirement for a simple phone call. Getting started is easy. Head to PolicyGenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and the scheduling for free. So go to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Don Everly, submitted by the Morrissey brothers, Sean and Connor from Philadelphia. Isn't that lovely? Kathy's Clown. It's a lovely, lovely tune. Again, when you're done with this show today, go access all the Everly brothers' tunes. They're wonderful. Do you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? We got bagel sandwiches. Yes, bagel sandwiches. It's a great day. Uh, all you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DZ area nearest you, then pop on in and you will be thrilled. And as Nigel writes, bye-bye love, bye-bye happiness, hello loneliness, I think I'm going to cry. Bye-bye love, bye-bye sweet caress, hello emptiness, I feel like I could die. Bye-bye my love, goodbye. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Mark Feinsand. Thanks to today's sponsor, Solo Stove Indochino and Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. So Jay um, Mutafori writes... Uh, I've been a listener to the podcast and various incarnations of the radio show since 1994. Last weekend, the woman with whom I'm related to by marriage and our two children ventured to Cooperstown, New York. We had an amazing time touring the Hall of Fame and staying at the Otis Saga. It's my favorite hotel, which deserves all of the lavish praise it receives from you and the listeners. We also spent a good deal of time shopping various souvenir and memorabilia stores on Main Street in Cooperstown. Main Street's three blocks long, kids. That's what it is. <laughs> in the back room of one of those stores, a seventh-inning stretch, we came across a painting of the New York Yankees logo over pinstripes with a quote most likely to lead from a story which you wrote from for the April 9th, 1978 edition of the New York Times Magazine. While you have given up writing for yodeling, as you call it, it's good to see that your prose is still fondly remembered. I thought you might like to see this work of art, so I attached a picture of it. I did not, but should have, inquired if it was for sale, and if so, at what price. While I'm a proud owner of Pumping Irony, I'm back for more cash. I thought this would be one purchase too far, so I did not pursue the issue. In case you're wondering, the quote reads as follows, and I know the quote. In the history of this country, there are arguably a number of American myths that define who we are as a people. One is the frontier, one is the New England town meeting, one is the New Orleans jazz, one is New Orleans jazz, another is the New York Yankees. Um, yeah, this is, I show you this painting, I should buy this painting. 
That looks pretty I cool. I should buy this painting. I did write that in a New York Times Sunday magazine story about George Steinbrenner, of which I am quite proud. And, yeah, I wrote that. Uh, Mike, formerly of Rockville, you've always been a welcome outlet for me to brighten my day while taking a stroll around Manhattan doing dishes or the laundry. It's rare that I play your fine show on a road trip as I usually, find to f I usually try to find amicable audio options that will satisfy the person to whom I'm related by marriage, as she has zero interest in most of the intriguing topics you and the crew cover. On our trip back from a family reunion in Bennington, Vermont, which I know well, this past weekend, the missus took a car nap, so I took the opportunity to turn on last Tuesday's show. As you spun your tale of coupon usage and clearance bargains at the Tanger outlets of Rehoboth, I hung on every word to hear how it would all play out. Halfway through the story, my wife awoke, heard the end of the segment, and asked how that was a story worth listening to. I said, forget it, honey, it's Chinatown. <laughs> Forgive her. She's a Binghamton grad and introduced me personally to Speedy's. Also, she's a redhead. Keep finding those bargains. Lovely. Uh, Chuck and Roxy, did I hear you right? You'll marry us in your own house? We'll take it. Should we just reach out to Carol to book our reservation, or will this be something Nigel will start handling? <clears throat> now, which house will this be taking place, as to make sure we have the right address on the invitations? As always, thanks for the hours of laughs and entertainment. That's from Chuck and Roxy. <clears throat> Should we do that? Should we start marrying people in the little house? Sure, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice no venue. heat, no light, no water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No bathrooms, no flooring, no flooring. Alex, uh, no, uh, no ceilings. <laughs> Alex Sankey, Cave Creek, Creek, Arizona. On Tuesday's show, Tony and Chris discussed marriage during COVID. The segment ended with Chris saying he's pro marriage. Really, a hard four marries a ten, and he's in favor of it. I'm as shocked as Claude Rains in Casablanca. Eat it, Salisa. That's actually very, very great. From Tim Cree in Fort Collins, Colorado. On Wednesday, you offered to marry people in your home, but you aren't, or did I do that? Oh, yeah. But you aren't ordained or legally able to do that. I think you need to check your local laws. My wife and I married ourselves in our backyard, and all we needed in our state was witnesses for the documents. You might be able to expand your name to Hoff, Waff, Jop for Justice of the Peace. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for telling me that. From Donna Myers in Vancouver, Washington. Good morning, Mr. Tony and crew. If you remember during a May 2020 show, you made the announcement that you weren't doing any more celebratory shout-outs. I was on the last people you did, which was for my son and now um, daughter-in-law, who were married on May 23rd, 2020. These two young people debated for several months about delaying their wedding due to COVID. My son called me very concerned as uncertainty as what to do was truly weighing on his then fiance's mind. Of course, my question to him was, do you want to get married? To which he answered a resounding yes. Then get married on the date you choose with the 10 people your state allows and deal with the reception later. This is my feeling as well. While I was unable to attend the official nuptials, <clears throat> I was able to attend the reception in September 2020, and it was a beautiful celebration. They're now pregnant with their first child and my first grandchild due in October. To all the engaged people uncertain about their wedding due to potential COVID lockdowns, etc., do not delay. If getting married is the end game, get married. Life is too uncertain. The people who are important to you will still support and celebrate you, whether in person, virtually, or at some date in the future. Save the childhood fantasy wedding for your vows renewal ceremony or with your next spouse, as either is an actual possibility. Oh. <laughs> Just a wonderful letter from Take a nice turn. <laughs> from Jason Blazer. Is it Lake Orion or Lake Orion? I never know in Michigan. Like the great Doc Hoffwaff and Saliza, I too am very pro-marriage. Or at least I am informed that is my stance on the position. It's <laughs> very good. Uh, a haiku from Shad about marriage. You want to walk? Walk. You want to marry? Marry. You want to cruise? Good luck. Um, <laughs> did I say that I would marry people? I believe you did. I, because I'm 
for this. Yes. I'm for this. Yes, you're- If don't wait, if this is important, do just it. go get married. The other stuff you can do down the road. You yeah, really can. Yes. Uh, Jesse, without an eye in Easton, I guess Easton, Maryland. Recently, I must concede, reluctantly, I must concede defeat to Mr. Butt and the son of Dr. Romance, a sex education teacher. <laughs> Grade school must have been hell. I cannot, however, bring myself to crown either of them victors of the occasionally embarrassing name game. Certainly, there is an impending deluge of email from the Richards of the world. Fertile ground, indeed. Joe Rizzo, Oak Hill, Virginia. Hey, Grandpa. All the name horror stories stem from cultural events, such as music, film, TV shows, from the 70s through the 90s. But I'm pretty sure mine predates everyone's. And I'm not referring to Betty Rizzo from Greece, but to Ratso Rizzo <laughs> from Midnight Cowboy. Dear Lord, how I despise that movie's Ratso character because it instantly became my new nickname. And probably every Rizzo in New York City. Imagine that as a nickname, Ratso. It wasn't just the nickname Ratso, but also, the and I would have done this too, the inevitable utterance of the phrase that followed in short order. I'm walking here. It would go like this. Hey, Ratso, I'm walking here. Here's the crazy thing. The guy became so famous that it's part of our lexicon that constantly reminds me of that nickname. So to all you Jeremiah's and Jolene's, your time came and went. Jenny's phone has been disconnected and Ricky lost that number. But should someone here get cut off while strolling down the street, that someone will shout, I'm walking here. <laughs> and I'm instantly brought back to the Ratso nickname. That is such a great movie. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so great. John Voight plays Joe Buck. Before you ever knew there was somebody named Joe Buck. And um, Dustin Hoffman plays Ratso Rizzo. It's, it's just so great. Matt Potty, P-A-H-D-E in St. Louis. I'd like to enter the worst show listener name, Sweepstakes. <laughs> Since this isn't a visual nickname, only Mr. Tony will get to see the actual spelling of my name. But phonetically, it's a doozy. It's spelled P-A-H-D-E, but pronounced potty. As you can imagine, growing up was really fun. I've heard every variety of the same jokes by the second grade. Literally nothing new since then. Everyone pronounces it incorrectly on the first try, with one notable exception. Who was that one exception? Mr. Tony. We're reading a previous email I sent years ago about the Uranus Fudge Factory. Satchmo nailed it. You could even hear Barry's Verluga in the background with a quizzical voice repeated. Potty? I told the person to whom I'm related by marriage before our wedding that she could keep her maiden name. But in a regrettable love-induced stupor, she signed the marriage certificate <laughs> to take my name. As a teacher for many years, she now gets to enjoy all the fun I had as a child. When I warned her about the jokes to come, she said, well, maybe I'll have them just call me Mrs. P. Nope, not much better. So I like to think I have the inside track on winning the name game, but I don't even win that game in my family. My father's name, John. That's right, John <laughs> Potty. You can't make this stuff up. That's great. And one more. From Marco Lance, Dr. Hoffwaff. My name is Marco. That's all. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, everybody. Not Marco Polo. 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 If you're out on your bike tonight, everybody, as always, do wear white. You got to harvest your nuts right now, man.
Nothing it was haunted by want Had a thousand blackbirds in her eyes The ones who ran away The ones I think of every day Corey was not impressed Just sat and stared into her coffee Sam kept me at arm's length Became a ghost she feared the most Alex got tied up in other things Cat and I proved to wrongs don't make a right If I had a house by the river Maybe I'd be good If wishes were horses or fangirls I suppose I'd write less than I do Once in a while it ends alright All your loves are part of you Cost, but I'm sick. 
sake of this fight And why that's my lot I said I had fun She said me too But it's a thin line between The time you spend and The time you waste We've all made mistakes This one kills me They all kill me Nice and mellow Sometimes the darkness pushes on me like I'll never see the light. A warm breeze sways the top of the trees, pulls at your hair, pulls around your knees. You feel it like the end of summer. Lingering heat Waiting for the end Of breaking up the wave That catches your feet This one kills me They all kill me Nice and mellow Damn pretty I love the night But sometimes The darkness pushes on me Like I'll never see the light this one kills me, they all kill me Nice and mellow, damn pretty I love the night, but sometimes Darkness pushes on me so hard Like I'll never see the light